Hello, and welcome to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. We are your hosts, Michaela and Kate. This is episode 11 of the yeah. Pacific Northwest Showdown. Yeah. Can you believe that it's December? I Yes and no. I, I think... feel like 2021 has been one of the faster years that I've experienced. And granted, people say that as you get older, that they seem to go by quicker, which is very sad to think I mean, about. Yeah, I mean, I'm older than you, and I would say yes, but I think the thing for me this year is that there's certain parts of it, like sometimes the days go by, like when I'm at work pretty quick, mm -hmm. but then the time home with you is like nice and it doesn't feel so like disappeared, you know, Rushed. but I think that because we had some things going on, like we got married this year, so we were like planning for that and doing a bunch of that kind of stuff, we we're dealing with like and we're like going back You're into like quote like the like world quote, normal life, even though it's not really the same thing. But yeah, it's it's been a lot kind of change and moving around. So maybe it doesn't feel like it's as stagnant and like doing the same thing all the time because everything's just constantly changing. Yeah. We're just like on the verge here of 2022 and yeah. I'm going to soak up December. It's like one of my favorite months of the year just because I love the holiday feelings. I totally. love the feelings of the holidays. Well, and um, if you if you are a fun math fact fan, then December this year also has, uh, I think, like nine palindrome days, which is kind of fun about December. So like uh, the single digits, the dates one through nine, like so today, for example, we're recording. It's 12 to 21. So it's the same forward and backwards. It's palindrome. So there's like I think they think there's nine. Maybe there's 11 because there's a couple. Wow. Yeah. So then there's like 12, 11, 21 would do it. 12, 22, 21. That would do it too. So yeah, there's like 11 of them. In December. It's what really, a cool fact. Yeah. It's unheard of, but it's, it's, I mean, unheard of in terms of like, it's rare, but it's fun. So thank you for sharing that. Cause that's not something that I've ever like thought about. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, that's well, kind of a new fact. I'm sure for a lot of people that don't think about those things. Palindrome dates are fun. I like them. It's and like words. score gummies. I'm looking at you. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. What's happening? Scorigami in sports is when teams that are going head to head, that the end result, end result in the score is a score that's never happened in oh, sports history. Oh yes, 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 yes. I didn't realize that's what that was called. That's a yeah. fun. That's a fun vocabulary word. It is scorigami. Okay, I'll try to incorporate that into my vocabulary now. Yeah. So this week it was really cool. So Kate and I aren't always a spontaneous type. Definitely we not. enjoy being at home. Yes. In the comfort of our own home together being introverts, which is surprising. Introverts united in our together in our own homes. Yeah. And so we were spontaneous and went down to the Queen Anne. Michaela, Michaela was spontaneous. And I just said, okay, dear, I will join you. <laughs> but yes, we went down to the Queen Anne Beer Hall, which was pretty great. It's just a couple blocks away from... Um, climate, climate pledge. pledge. Thank you. Um, I key arena just still was in my head. I couldn't. Okay. I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. So it's just a couple blocks down from Climate Pledge. Pretty cool. Pretty cool venue. Pretty cool space. It's really open in there. Yeah. They have a Christmas tree up. It's very festive. It was it great was food. Awesome. Yeah, the food was great. The drinks were great. The owner was super nice. Keith. Yeah. What's up, Keith? Shout out to Keith. Uh, thank you for being so kind and welcoming. Absolutely. So if you ever get the chance to go down to the Queen Anne Beer Hall, you should definitely do that. I know that um, the Believe in Seahawks and the release the show podcast 
I know that they're going to partner with them here and there and do events and, and special things like that. And that was why we went was because they were having an event on Monday for to, the Kraken game and the Seahawks game, which were playing kind of simultaneously, almost slightly overlapping. They were a little bit. Yeah. And they were doing a fundraiser mm -hmm. for the One Love Foundation, which is an organization that educates our youth in terms of what healthy relationships mm -hmm. should look like, you mm -hmm. know, domestic abuse, uh, just education and all of that. So they were doing really good, you know. Yeah, we talked to them fundraiser. and they were, they were great people too. That was, that was great. It was so great to meet, uh, you know, Brett and uh, producer Katie. Lofa mm -hmm. Tatupu mm -hmm. was there. Jordan Babineau showed up. Yeah. Um, just Chris Labrum. You guys mm -hmm. were all so amazing. What a great to time. Meet. Yeah, it was good so much community fun. of people. Yes. And it was a lot of fun. So if you haven't yet gone and followed the Believe in Seahawks or the Release the Show podcast. Yeah, those you are, should go do those that. Those are great. Those are great podcasts. They're good people. They do a lot of listen. fundraisers for good yeah. causes. Yeah. Um, and I know that they actually just got a, their um, working with now Simply Seattle. Oh, yes, that's right. They've got that thing going too, which so, is pretty great. Simply shout Seattle out, is a Shout great... out and congratulations to yeah. you guys over well, there. And Simply Seattle, they had they had raffle tickets at the event mm -hmm. that you could that you could buy to benefit uh, the One Love Foundation. And they had some really great prizes. And I actually surprisingly won. Something? Surprisingly, I feel like I you know. win things. I don't know. Do I? I don't feel like I, mean, I don't know why I you got don't. you. So that's oh hey, that's not that you're a prize to be won. But I mean, some um, might I mean I mean I I'm I'm happy with it. <laughs> so but yeah, it was a great, it was a great box. It had um some amazing kind of that, that throwback Seahawks vibe that I love Yep, from Simply Seattle. It was like these new boxes Kate that likes, they put together. Kate likes throwback sports I things. Do. And yeah. she, but if it's throwback plus tie-dye, that's like Kate's jam. I mean, I don't have any sports throwbacks plus tie-dye. There's stuff out there. Hey, but Simply I, Seattle. I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't found anything yet that I'm like, Ooh, that's the thing. Cause sometimes not gonna lie. Sometimes it's like, Hmm. Or it's, it has to or be done right. Or it's like cropped with like rhinestones on top or something. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not the gal who's wearing like rhinestoned out. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that for people who choose that, that style, but that's not my style. So it would look really weird on me. You do have to like be, out. you could be very confident with that look. And you I should be, I would not be confident in that look, but I appreciate your um, encouragement. Look, you look things. good in anything. So you're the sweetest. I know, Thanks, babe. I would love for you to actually share our Pacific Northwest athlete quote of the week this let's week. Just, let's get to that. Let's dive so, into it. You know, um, taking a look around, and so this week our quote is from Jamal Adams, and you know he had a pretty good showing in this last game overall. So we just, you know, we figured we should see what he has to say. Give him some love in the in the quote yeah. section. So he he said uh, in a in a tweet, it was a keep your mentals sharp at all times. Mm -hmm. And I love this because first it reminds me of the wisdom of another former Seahawks that I love CX player that I love so much. Marshawn Lynch. Right. Yep. Um, but you know what the way things have been going for the Hawks, these last few games, I think that, you know, keeping one's mental state sharp definitely needs to be a priority all that right now. Yes. The negative press, mm -hmm. the way people love to criticize. And I'm, I'm just guessing that trying to stay positive and keep your head in the game is tougher than ever, right? Trying to avoid 
the things. And I don't know if that's I what heard. he was saying or not saying. Like, I don't know if that's what he was referring no, to. But, but I, that's some well, what you just said kind of. I saw something today that DJ Reed said, mm-hmm. I'm not on social media through the week. Sure. And so he didn't know that the Seahawks had signed Adrian Peterson oh. running back. Oh, to the practice squad until he saw his name on his locker. Oh, <laughs> not his own locker. Yeah. But yeah. Until yeah. He saw on the new locker. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't know because he wasn't yeah. on social media. Well, I can understand why you would want to avoid it. I, I mean, would as a player. I would I if I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. I would probably. And granted, it's nice to interact with your fans, but it's hard when you are going as a team or as an individual sure. through a slump, if that's what we want to call this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I would personally avoid it. I mean, you have to protect yourself too, because if you're trying to play the top of your game and stay and, focused and on do what the you best want to do, you can do as a professional athlete. I can imagine that, you know, I mean, it's, it's probably why these, these athletes have these like mental conditioning coaches mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff, right. To help keep them focused and in the game and all that kind of stuff. And social media can be just rough and everybody, I mean, I'm saying everybody in a, in a general term here, but like everybody thinks they know the right thing and thinks they know the, you know, what plays should have been called or whatever. We're all like, what's up? Oh, like you the, hear me. The armchair, the armchair coaches yeah. or whatever. Um, and so, and that's tough. And, and years ago, you know, before social media, like people didn't have this public of a voice. You couldn't just tell your, your, the athletes on your team, like what your thoughts and feelings were. But now with like Twitter and all this other mm-hmm. social media, you can at them and whatever, and whether they choose to look at it or not, but you're literally like, telling directly to these people or their publicist or whoever checks their accounts, mm-hmm. you know, what your thoughts and feelings are. And that's, that's a lot. The of one thing difference. that was it, is it Jimmy Kimmel that did the mean tweets and had celebrities read it? Oh yeah. I think it was, I think it was Jimmy I Kimmel. Think it was Jimmy Kimmel. I always get confused between. No, it's not Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Then I think yeah. it's Jimmy Kimmel. And I think that was a way for people in the spotlight to take owner like to take p- p- power back oh, over yeah, those mean that mm-hmm. yeah and to be able to laugh about it instead of like take it on personally mm-hmm. and, and that's you have to think about how those things are like actually being read and interpreted and how they're actually being meant and, well, and i think even when we're trying to be nice i mean i've had this multiple times in writing where you try to like email something or text something and, and the person wrong. on the other side is just like what the heck and you're like no i was just i didn't ah you know it's like i should have put an exclamation mark because saying like oh yeah with a period is a lot different than oh yeah with an exclamation so, mark kate pointed out when we first started dating and now i like i notice that i do it all the time and sometimes i'll intentionally go back and put periods instead of exclamation points um that when we first started well we weren't dating yet we were talking through like we were like texting texting stuff, yeah. basically that I apparently used an exclamation point after like almost every sentence. Her sentences were always very excited, which I thought was nice because I was like, oh, she's very interested in talking to me. That's lovely. You know, like it'd be different if it was just like, yeah, great, period. But it was like, yeah, great, exclamation yeah, mark, exclamation mark. It was. And then I realized that I would do it in my professional emails. And then I was just like, I can't be this excited all the time. Like, that's not. <laughs> that's not the energy I actually have. <laughs> so there are times, and I still do it, where because Kate brought it to my attention three oh, years ago. Sorry about that. It's probably for the best. 
I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, I need to take out like two or three of these exclamation Some of this points. Be less not excited. So I'll go back and actually edit my writing and change it. I'm really proud of you. That's yeah. good stuff. Editing so, and revising. It's important. You know, anyways, going back to Jamal Adams. Yes, Jamal Adams. Keep your mental sharp at all times. That's right. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself. I did today. A lot of you probably saw um, mm -hmm. my news. Hey, guess what? If you're out there and need somebody and you want to hire somebody, I might be interested. So available soon. <laughs> available in terms of work. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. In terms of uh, uh, employment. <laughs> employment. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. That is your Pacific Northwest athlete quote of the week. Coming up next is the showdown lowdown. All right, it is time for our Showdown Lowdown segment. Showdown Lowdown. And this is where we talk about our Pacific Northwest sports news and updates and scores for the week. So to start us out, we're going to just mention that we do have a special guest that will be with us later yes. on in the podcast. And that special guest is Nate Alexander. And Nate is going to be talking to us about the Seattle Mariners yeah. and their offseason moves, acquisitions that we've made the MLB lockout yeah, and a lot more about what people can kind of expect, you know, optimistically in terms of timeframes at the lockout, Hopefully. what he thinks. So I'm really excited to have Nate come on later on in the podcast. Yeah. It'd be great to talk to him and get his, uh, his take on those things. So we're going to wait to break down and talk about the Mariners until that segment. Yeah. So let's talk about the Kraken. Let's talk about the Kraken. All right. So the Kraken have doing pretty well actually recently and they mm -hmm. uh, won four of their last six games a couple of those games they were not expected to win so that was pretty awesome a good handful of the like all of those wins that they had i don't think that they were expected mm -hmm. to win maybe on monday they were expected to win we saw them win when yeah, we were we down at them, we saw them win monday when yeah. we were down at queen and beer hall and that was pretty great um yeah, and they're 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 doing pretty well. The goaltender position has been more of a competition lately between Grubauer and Drudger, and they've both been having some pretty great showings in these last few mm -hmm. games. Also, you know, can I just say for the goaltenders, like I really like the face masks that they use. It's with so the cool detail of the painting and the Ugh. designs and stuff like that. I just want one just um, to have. It's like I mean, it's I mean, it's but, great artwork. It's, like it's it's amazing. Their works. Their work of art, yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure they get totally messed up over the course of, like, a season or, or whatever. Um, but anyway, so that's pretty cool. And then um, Wednesday night, they played uh, the Red Wings in mm -hmm. Detroit, and so um, lost in a shootout. It was our first shootout, and it sounded like there was maybe some technicality things, like, that made it. So some, that, so that one of the, one of the uh, scores didn't count, so we lost, but... A uh, fun, cool fact is that actually the play-by-play -play announcer for mm -hmm. the Kraken, uh, his name is Everett Fitz, Fitzhugh, and um, he goes by Fitz, I guess. And he's actually the first black NHL play-by-play yeah. -play announcer. And the Kraken um, specifically uh, hired him out of, um, well, of course they specifically hired him, but they hired him out of um, the minor league kind of hockey because hockey has that kind of structure underneath right. it too with those other teams, right? So he had worked his way up um, through those teams and now is is in a, is in the NHL and and he's from Detroit. So when they were playing there last night, uh, he got to go and there. Yeah. I saw this interview with him and he was saying how his family got to be there and everything and how I just like thought, special. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool, right? And so I'm excited um, for that little fun fact. But 
but yeah, so cool. he's, and he sounds like a great play-by-play -play announcer. It sounds like he's, mm -hmm. he's got, um, he does a really good, he does a really good job. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of what's up with the Kraken at the exact moment. Well, as far thank as I you know. for sharing what's yeah, going on. It was really fun to watch them on Monday night mm -hmm. down at the Queen Anne Beer Hall, mm -hmm. as we mentioned earlier on in our opening of, of mm -hmm. the podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, you know, hey, go over and listen to release the show as well. They are specifically a Kraken podcast. podcast. Yeah. So do that mm -hmm. because we like them a lot over there. They're fun people and they know their stuff. So yeah, if you need more hockey, check them out. Check them out. The Seattle Seahawks lost on Monday night Ugh, to the, the Washington, Washington football team. And they are now three and eight this season, which mm -hmm. is so here's it the thing, rough. everybody. It's very difficult to have to consistently analyze and break down an offense that like there's only so much we can say right in this Hawkeye analysis mm -hmm. about what we're seeing. And, and right now it's been pretty consistent about the issues that have existed. Yeah, I so think we'd be saying sort of the same thing. So what we're going to do this week in the Hawkeye analysis is we're instead going to talk about the state of the franchise and mm -hmm. how I personally think the team should move forward. We'll see if Kate agrees with me or not. She might just back me up because she's my wife and she thinks I'm smart. Who knows? I might have my own ideas and opinions. It you, could happen. You have those. So stay tuned for the Hawkeye analysis. Uh, you know, we don't talk too much about college sports. This is a really important thing to bring up, however. So both the University of Washington and Washington State University have hired their new head coaches for their football teams. Mm -hmm. And so it will be... And, an and they had to hire coaches for different reasons because Wazoo's coach was fired because he wasn't complying with the state vaccine mandate. And then UW's coach was fired because he they didn't like the job he was doing. Was that what happened with him? They didn't like how that was going. So it, there was some issues or something like that. there. And then there's some questionable things that depending on how people view, how people manage their team. Sure. And interact with their team. Some oh, things can right. look questionable. Yeah. However, mm -hmm. I think it was more so about how things were going. So their coaches were let go for different reasons. So yeah. now they both, have new head coaches it, so it was a really quick turnaround it, what actually that really and was. It, it, for washington state well that just made sense. specifically their interim head coach which was jake dicker he yes. was given the permanent role of head coach yeah so well you know that's you exciting Cup, so. gosh you saw a video of the yeah. team being told well, he was, they, I mean, they did it in front of the whole team is what it looked like from the right. video, right? Like they offered him the position, which they all knew that that's what was coming. So super cool. Uh, I'm really excited to see how these teams both develop over the next yes. year or a couple yes. years. I hope that both of these teams find uh, consistency in those roles because we know the importance of having, you know, consistency in coaching positions and mm -hmm. the way things are managed. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how recruitment goes for these teams. Oh yeah. Because that's a huge, it is it makes a big important difference. thing for yes. how teams are successful over the course of, you know, years as well. Mm -hmm. So wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Our Pacific Northwest player of the week is I'm actually a really cool one. Kate. I'm excited about this one because this week uh, we wanted to highlight um, somebody and 
and this person may be un an unfamiliar name to you, but get ready to learn. So yeah. um, <laughs> we're highlighting uh, Lauren Barber this week. And Lauren is the first ever female rugby operations staff member for and serves as the director of youth and community development with the Seattle Seawolves rugby team. And Lauren's also a player uh, for the Seattle Rugby Club, has a huge list of other stuff um that's that lauren's lauren's amazing basically i mean i was like reading through and i was like oh my gosh wow this is like this is i can't even read all these things out live but but pretty awesome um and so she was she was just named um as one of the 15 under 30 from the women's rugby coaches and referees association which i mean based on the breakdown of all that awesomeness like i said um that lauren's achieved it sounds very well deserved indeed and the Seattle Seawolves rugby Twitter page um, had the link to it, so you could actually go and and, and read go all. Go check that. it so out. That was pretty cool. I mean, that go was... follow this the Seattle Seawolves. They're amazing. They're super interactive. They're fun. Oh my gosh, Rucky's like my new best friend. Rucky is our new best friend. I love my Rucky plushie that I got. So, so exciting! If you haven't seen that, you can check out that video on our social and media we hope well. that some of you come out with us to watch some of those rugby games we'll this next you know. season we'll, we'll tell you, know. you hey we're gonna be at this game the tickets are super affordable they really are and uh let's go out there and support our seawolves yeah all right so, yeah well that Congrats, is Lauren. the showdown lowdown it segment is. for this week coming up next is our altered <laughs> hawkeye analysis <laughs> Welcome to the Altered Hawkeye Analysis segment this week. <laughs> For real. So, okay, to start off with, where did the Seahawks go from here? So they're, I'm trying to remember all my things. They're three and eight this season. The offense has had a tough time establishing the ball, mm -hmm. getting that going on their side. And the defense seemed to struggle earlier on in the season. They seem to have figured it out a little bit more now. Yeah. But I mean, where do we, what do we do? Where do we go from here? It's, I mean, in my opinion, it's time to evaluate the youth okay. that we have on the team in terms of, okay, we've drafted, we've drafted players who are younger, whether it's in the running back role, you know, really what is Travis Homer is DJ Dallas. Are they ever going to have mm -hmm. primary back roles if Chris Carson can't come back and play? Yeah. If that's a good, Alex that's Collins a good point. isn't, you know, the ideal choice, because right now it does feel like. We have an RB2, mm -hmm. an RB3, an RB4 practice squad player coming up. They just signed Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I saw but that. That doesn't give me any hope or faith in the people that you've drafted because you're not putting Yeah, you're them. not using them as much, right? But you you pick Why aren't them they getting specifically, the so. opportunities? Okay. Same thing with the offensive line. Look, can it maybe it can get worse. Maybe I shouldn't even put that out there. But why I want to see now, I want to say, see Jake Curran, Dakota okay. Shepley and Stone Forsyth out there on the line, because those are young guys that got, were undrafted free agents in terms of Jake's, uh, Jake, Dakota Shepley, Stone Forsyth, Forsyth we drafted mm -hmm. this last year. What do we have in an offensive line in terms of youth and, and depth and are those pieces that we need to keep or do we need to completely rebuild? So like basically since the offensive line we have right now isn't really holding up all that well, like why are we not putting these guys in? Is that kind of what you're saying? Like why are we not giving them a chance? 
I'm saying right now that we're three and eight. Yeah. I say it's now's the time to put them in to see what they're capable of yeah. doing. Yeah. And no matter what, we're going to need a center. Yes. I I like uh, Lewis. I like Jackson. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Brown is going to retire here either this year or next year, I think, yeah. personally. Okay. And so who are you going to have protecting Russell Wilson's blind side on the left oh, tackle yeah, side? Yeah. Brandon Shell, I've seen him get beat more often than not mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. So who's going to be at the right tackle position? I feel like our guards are solid, but I do think that we need to really start considering those three positions. Okay. I mean, it sounds like it makes sense to me. I just want to see what we have because, again, uh, <laughs> the current situation is not the answer. Yeah, it's what is it? The definition Look, of insanity is doing the same thing exactly. over and over again, so, expecting different results. Yeah, I I struggle with how this team is going to move forward. Again, I think that now you know, running back wise, they haven't been. Con- consistent in terms of health since we've had Marshawn Lynch. There's been so many injuries, which of course that's not a player's fault. Those are unfortunate circumstances that happen. But the past few seasons we've struggled Mm -hmm. with having depth and we're sitting here trying to get these older veterans coming in. I mean, Adrian Peterson's 36 years old. Yeah. Now is he a hall of fame running back? Yeah. But he's 36 years old now. Sure. What, what does he have left in the tank? That's, I, and I hate something. I hate feeling the need to bring up age in sports because I don't want to put make age to be something that makes you capable or not capable of being successful. But when your body has gone through sure. so much, well, and then it becomes more of like a maybe a more of like a temporary addition to the team versus like a long term solution. Um, it's like just maybe band aiding it instead of actually trying to fix it. Right, and I get that there's only so much you can do in a current season to, quote, fix things, especially when trading deadlines have passed. Sure. This is your current circumstance with your record. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, here's what I'm saying. I'm already looking to the offseason. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy what I'm going to watch the games. I'm going to I'm going to be looking at our games more so from an evaluation standpoint than I am a let's go and win all of these games standpoint. Will I love it if they win? Of yes. Course. Does it sucks suck when they lose? Of course. Yes. But I'm going to be as a fan, as somebody that likes to analyze the games, I'm going to be watching every single one of these games and evaluating the play. Yeah. Of the players and what we have and where we need to replace and rebuild. And yeah. uh, so, so what do we do with Russell Wilson? Like what's happening with that? you keep Russell Wilson exactly where he is. I think that this yeah. is uh I think that this is just like a lower point for him. This is the first time he's ever been injured and is trying mm-hmm. to push himself to come back probably sooner than he should have initially. Mm-hmm. But look, I like yes, the grass is not greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get players to Russell Wilson's like capability, skill set, talent. Sure. Sure. Mindset. It's so hard to come across a special player like Russell Wilson. And mm-hmm. I'm still fully bought into him. What I'm not bought into is the system. 
I'm not bought into Shane Waldron and the offensive coaching, mm-hmm. the the play calling. Yeah. I don't know how much Pete Carroll has a hand in that. I like we really don't know. But Pete Carroll needs to go. Shane Waldron hasn't been effective at all. There hasn't been adjustments. I struggle. I, I struggle. Now, I will say this. I hold Russell Wilson accountable to the fact that his lots of his passes have mm-hmm. been overthrown. He's mm-hmm. missed his targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, he struggled to see his wide open receivers in different oh, yeah. moments. Yeah. Russell Wilson needs to get refocused and get those just Pete Carroll said it today in the presser. He said, you know, he doesn't need rest. He needs reps. Mm. He needs repetition. The offense hasn't been able to get going. Yeah. They can't convert on third down. Well, they're out there and it's three and out and mm-hmm. they're coming off the field. There's there's no repetition. He can't get into that. The groove. The, the groove. Mm-hmm. So that's something that Pete said today. And, you know, I think about the fact about, you know, people say, well, do we think that Coach Carroll is going to get fired after this season? And to be honest, with our current ownership as it stands with Jody Allen, who mm-hmm. is the sister of l- the late Paul Allen, who was incredible and a credible owner oh, for yeah. this team. I don't see her making any sort of big adjustments or moves in this organization. She's a very quiet owner, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That's where Pete Carroll has a whole lot of say in mm-hmm. player personnel and who's being drafted alongside John Schneider as our GM. Yeah. Pete Carroll has a lot of pull Mm -hmm. and unless Russell Wilson, in my mind, again, this is all just opinion. Unless Russell Wilson went to Jody Allen and said, Pete needs to go or I'm leaving me or Pete pick one, pick a side. I don't see Jody Allen doing anything changing at least in terms of a head coach now pete carroll could say okay i don't want like he can choose his coaching staff he can get rid of shane waldron he can move on from him that's why brian schottenheimer got moved on from sure and russ was kind of like it was just year three with him russ hasn't had a consistent offensive coordinator you know and this is different but i'll tell you as a teacher i used to work in special education you have paraeducators in your classroom and things like that and when when you can have people work with you for more than one year you kind of develop that rhythm that groove like you mm-hmm. figure each other out you can do all the things i there was a couple of years where i had different people every year and it was like completely starting over again it would it'd be like months before you could get going and so i could see how with a coach especially for you know the quarterback that not having a consistent offensive coordinator uh we're not playing for a very long time plays, yeah yeah, could could really make it difficult because then somebody comes in with their own style and their own playbook, their own different things. You have to like all the things. You have to adjust your things. And they they said yeah. coming into the season tough. that Shane Waldron's playbook was complicated. Yeah, to learn that it was a lot to learn. Is that an issue for this offense? Is I mean, it too complicated? Do they need to simplify things, but mm-hmm. simplify it in a creative way that's going to benefit them against the defenses they're playing? Sure, creativity is great when you are able to sprinkle it in strategically. Yes. But and if, you, it's like you have to be able to do the basics really solid before you can get fancy with it, right? Or yeah. just or t- mix it up. Yep. So right now, to me at least, just, you know, uh, figuring all this stuff out, it seems like maybe there's some of that, like, that just needs to be getting the basics back together first. Back 
to the basics. Back to the basics. And you know, as fans, look, we love. Don't tell me that you don't love seeing huge names come across on your feeds that we've traded for or acquired or signed a sure. huge player. And of course, we all are sitting there anxiously awaiting for what the compensation is going to be or what we traded away or yeah, what we gave away or how much we're going to pay the person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But don't say that we don't get excited about these big names that end up coming on our roster, but then we pay big bucks for them or high draft picks for them. And I'm referring to Jamal Adams, mm -hmm. you know, two first round draft picks plus some. And now it's biting us in the butt because uh, mm -hmm. our record and how high that draft pick that we gave away now could yeah, end up being. Yeah. So, and so the jets are going to reap those benefits, which to be honest, they need all the help they can get. <laughs> Oh, so people have talked about are this has the Seahawks front office, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, have they been careless about how they're choosing to acquire the pieces mm -hmm. that they've acquired and not thinking as much about the longevity of well, then the team and then how they're using the pieces they've acquired too, because they don't know how to use the pieces. Mm -hmm. It takes too long to figure out how to utilize their talents. That's going to best suit not only the player themselves, but the whole, the whole team. Yes. And it is a team sport. It is a team sport. And we know that there are certain players that are so good that they can genuinely impact the entire team in a positive way. That they can completely shift. I think about when we acquired Carlos Dunlap last year mm -hmm. and how that, granted, our defensive line is struggling this year. Carlos Dunlap hasn't been getting very many reps yeah. or hits. But when we did acquire him mm -hmm. last year at the trade deadline, yes, our defense that, that week after we acquired him completely shifted to being one of the top defenses in the second half of, of the season. Yeah. So I understand there are players that can completely shift that feel and that dynamic on the field. And then you think about teams where they acquire these big pieces. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the Rams mm -hmm. and how they just recently acquired Odell Beckham and Von Miller. Mm -hmm. And in the three games that they've had them, they've lost all three of those games and how people are like, the Rams have been a powerhouse all season. And then, they acquire well, these big pieces, and it's not to say energy. It changes exactly the relationship. It, you, you have to rebuild all of that connection, and and all of that. Like it's not just going to be like, hey, here's a big name who's amazing, and he's got great stats, or you know whatever, and it's going to fix everything. It's like no, that's it takes an adjustment period. So, but that's all the strategy that coaches, scouts, GMs have to be thinking about. Sure, what they're who they're bringing into the locker room when they're bringing them into the locker room. What's the status of the team? So, and, and what are what are they giving away to get them? Yes. And how will that impact the future of the franchise? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of components that I don't know that we're thinking about. I'm also curious, like, who's our scout? Like, who's scout? Who's scouting for the the Seahawks? I super hope that's rhetorical because you know I'm not going to know. I know. I'm going to have to do some research. <laughs> now, I will say that the 2020 season of draft picks yes. was incredible. Yes. Like, at least so far, I've, I've been pretty happy with our mm -hmm. 2020 draft picks. You, you know, we're thinking Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Taylor, although yeah. he couldn't play oh, yeah. his first season, he did 
he he's come out and been incredible and I mm-hmm. love him. Um, there's players still that they drafted that season that I still want to see more of, and they haven't gotten playing time because yes. of where they're at in the depth chart. Yeah. But I'm thinking Colby Parkinson. Mm-hmm. I want to see him at the tight end role more often and what he's capable of doing. Mm-hmm. His size, his uh, as a target. His hair. His hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're not at Kate's Corner yet, honey. Nope, we're we're not. almost there. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of players that I still want to see. And I get the these players are being evaluated at every practice that they yeah. have, you know, off season, you know, OTAs, all of those things where they get to see these players day in and day out. So that's the hard part. I think sometimes is that sometimes we as fans aren't privy to seeing those, what they're doing mm-hmm. that either gives them playing sure. time or does not give them playing time. When sure. it comes time for the game. like Yeah, I think day. it's one of those things where people get drafted, you get excited, you want to see what happens, and then like you just don't see them. And you're like, well, what's going on? So I, I get that. Yeah. Well, I think that was very helpful, Michaela. Thanks for um, helping me learn a little bit more about that. Because at this stage in the season, it's kind of that thing where I, I just, am, you know, I'm glad we were able to do this modified version because I feel like it helped me out a lot with understanding more about it's time As to a fan, what it, you even do, you know? For me, it's time to start looking at it in terms of, okay, so in the off season, what am I looking forward to? Sure. So off season moves are really fun, like waiting for all the things, although how many times have we all like tweeted the gif of the random person with the stick like poking at the Seahawks on the ground and being like, oh, do yeah. something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and you know, with the way that their season's going too, maybe, you know, ticket prices are cheaper and so you can maybe go see some games, it's, even if they win or lose, you know, at least you could go and maybe have it be a little more. It affordable. is fun. They're fun it's, games. They're fun games. All right. Well, that's wrapping up our Hawkeye analysis, but let's get over to Kate's corner because I love Kate's corner. Kate's corner. I don't know if that's how I do it or not, but that's how I did it today. So that's what I'm sticking with. So, um, okay. So I've done Kate's corners with some research. I've done some Kate's corners with some like, you know, just some different facts and yep. vocab or whatever. But um, this Kate's corner is more of just like a thing I noticed. And now that I'm watching more types of sports, which I will say, I don't think I've ever watched this, this much many sports um, packed into this much time. I mean, probably ever. So um, I'm trying to like observe things, figure things out, you know, Michaela's favorite phrase for me, learning sports. Um, but I've been noticing how one obvious statement, sports are different. Okay, cool. I'm glad that Kate notices that sports are different, mm-hmm. but, um, for example, okay. So football, we talk about a lot. Now football has offensive players and defensive players, and they're on the field at different times. So Correct. when the offense is playing for the Seahawks, the defense is playing for whatever other team. And it's rare that players are playing both sides of the ball when they get to the professional NFL, yeah. level. So you'll have people on special teams that maybe are yeah. defensive players that or offensive players. Or offensive players and, and and on that situation, but special teams just seems like a special case, if you will. <laughs> um, but so so that's the thing I noticed about football. But other sports, so like baseball has like a side at a time, right? So the Mariners will be in the outfield, you know, or, you know, uh, the, the pitching side, right? Not the playing batting, defense, the playing yeah. defense. Thank you. And then the other team will be the team up batting, trying to get on base, trying to get the runs. But when they switch, 
those same people that are in the outfield or on first base or whatever, um, they're also playing for the, the offense. They're also they're batting. batting. Mm -hmm. So while the in baseball, they play offense and defense at different times, they play both positions. They play both they sides do both kind of as one player, yeah. which is different than football, which is obvious maybe for some people. But then other sports, I feel like, like soccer, hockey, um, rugby, I don't know, maybe lacrosse too. I'm like really not great with all that. But it seems like those sports, everyone's kind of on the field at the same time. And some people might be more like defense positions. Like you're a defender in soccer, or you're a forward or you're a middle. Sure. And some of them might be a little more like of offensive positions, but they all play together basically for, on the field at the same on the time. field at the same time and basically for kind of the same goal of like trying to score and trying to prevent the other team from scoring but they're all kind of working together the whole time so i always i i like things that are you know if you know me i like things that are the same and like you know kind of follow patterns and stuff and so it's just really interesting to me that oh and, and basketball is the same way too basketball like they're kind of different positions all on the court at the same time yeah and, the, and they don't switch out when I mean, they switch out but it's not like a side and a side so basically if you know of any sports because kate and i are trying yeah. to think if you know any sports that are more like football where you have a specific offense on the field at once but those like offensive, but those players, offensive players don't play aren't playing defense. defense and then defense comes on is there any sports that we're not thinking of where yeah. it's a similar circumstance because i'm guessing cricket is kind of like baseball uh -huh. in the same sort of like player structure and stuff i just i find it really fascinating that um that it's just that that football is so different than the other ones so i it's a it's an i need help kate's corner oh so Kate needs help so i need help too so if you're thinking <laughs> of any sports where it's very it's structured more so like football leave us a comment reach yeah. out to us let us and, know what that know, is have you noticed this before like is this I mean, is this one of those things that's like a weird thought things that and like, nobody ever thinks about it? Yeah. I, I And I don't know because that kind of thing happens to me. So anyway, let me know. Tweet at us or, you know, send us a message or whatever. Fill me in. What sports are different? I want to know. Thank you for listening to Kate's Corner. <laughs>
Yeah. So Nate's here to provide us with some Mariners updates, talking about um, the offseason moves that they've made to this point. Who else Nate wants to see get signed once the lockout is over? And he's going to discuss the lockout as well. But just so you guys can go follow Nate on social media, uh, go over to Twitter and follow at MS. So M's playoff hope. So MS playoff hope and at baseball dude, man. So go over to Twitter I was young when that one came around. So I just stuck with it. Yeah, <laughs> no, stick with what you got. Like my, um, my email address from sixth grade, which I won't say the end part of it that way. Not everybody has my email. We didn't have email, but extreme underscore fast pitch 29. I was just like, and I had that through college. And now I'm like, I still use my college email professionally because it's like at wsu.edu. And I just haven't ever changed my professional email. So there is that. But yeah, we're really excited to have you on to talk about all things Mariners. I think that the Seahawks get so much love on this podcast, you know, with the Hawkeye analysis, but now it's time to ramp up this Mariners talk. So thank you for being here tonight with us, Nate. Oh, no, thank it's. uh, um, I want to thank you guys for inviting me out here to uh, discuss baseball. I love talking baseball. I grew up playing baseball. It's my favorite sport out there. Um, I do love the Seahawks, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, Zag Hoops, but um, usually around this time of year, I'm really, you know, delved deep into uh, Seahawks because the Mariners aren't doing a whole lot. Yep. And when the Seahawks start letting me down, it's Zag Hoops time and then back to baseball. So it's kind of like this vicious <laughs> cycle. <clears throat> so yes. it's, been a, it's been a really entertaining offseason. Um, like I said, even late into the 2021 season, I was really into the Mariners more so than I have been in years past because they were fighting for that last playoff. Yeah. So everyone was there. It was a wild environment. I like seeing it on TV. Um, It was just, it's special. And I think it's going to carry over into uh, this next year, hopefully. And we'll cover Mm -hmm. why hopefully everyone probably knows, but with the lockout and everything, hopefully we have a season coming up here. I was going to ask about that. And I mean, maybe I just start you off with answering what you think is going to happen, but so do you know how many lockouts there's been in major league baseball history and how long on average those lockouts have like lasted? Do you know that by chance? So I was reading an article. Um, I know Jeff Passan tweeted it out. I don't know if it's six or 16th. Maybe I'm totally off there. I can, mm-hmm. go, I can go to Twitter and find out really quick, but there's been, there's been a handful, at least a dozen, I believe. Yep. Maybe not, maybe not, but um the most memorable one was the 94 that ended up in a strike. And then there was Mm -hmm. no baseball for the rest of the 94 season, which if you look back at history, was pretty hurtful for the Mariners. And they had to come out in the 95 season and prove that they're worthy of staying in Seattle, which they did. Thank goodness. Otherwise we might not even have a Seattle Mariners team right now. Can you imagine? That would be really weird. I don't know what I would, mm, I don't know what I would have been able. I mean, I was seeing 95, I was about 10 years old. So, Mm -hmm. um, the impactful years, you know, with Griffey, Buner, Martinez, yeah. all those guys. Oh, right? Dan Wilson, oh, Randy yeah, Johnson. Wilson, all those guys. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mike Blowers even. Was, Mike Blowers. Uh, was there? Yeah, he was there. I I was um I just remember playing like, you know, MLB like 98 or something like that on the N64. Oh, and yeah. it had all of those players on that team. Like it was just such a good team. And I think it, you know, if you're playing on rookie mode in any of these games, you're going to get like 42 runs or something ridiculous. Right. Ken Griffey's just like 
Alex Can Rodriguez. Guys a yeah. So yeah. Hassan tweeted out last night, this is the ninth work stoppage in, in the sports history. So mm-hmm. I knew, I'd, I knew it was somewhere up there. I knew it was up there. Yeah. It was interesting to see. So since we're on this topic already, for those listeners that might not understand what a lockout is, can you just kind of elaborate on what that is for our listeners so they know what's going on? Yeah. So um, I wrote an article yesterday for the uh, sports website that I kind of write for sometimes called Cascadia Sports Network. They're on Twitter at Cascadia SN. Mm-hmm. Um, check, check that out. Um, a lockout is mostly about the collective bargaining agreement, which is the terms and conditions that the um, players and the clubs agree on to play. Right. Mm-hmm. So essentially it's your terms and conditions. And like I wrote my article, it's not as simple as scrolling down on your phone and hitting the box at the bottom and say, I agree. Right. It, there's a right. lot more to it. And cause it affects, you know, player quality of life, payer pay, how players um, are eligible for free agency, there's a lot of those topics out there that are um, that are being debated, and it seems like MLB is not budging on a lot of their topics, and that's usually what happens. And then the players' union will then mm-hmm. start encouraging players, "Hey, why don't we just you know agree to one of these, and we'll see if they'll agree to one of ours," kind of a thing. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. And they had a lot of they had you know four years to take care of this because it was 2017 to 2020. Yeah. So they had four years to come up with, you know, a different agreement, but, um, you know, I obviously side with the players on this one. Um, I do believe like the biggest thing um, I wrote in my article yesterday. So um, just to preface, I, I, I wrote an article, but I, what I did was I gathered a bunch of other articles and I pieced together kind of like what all the arguments are. And I just kind of laid them out so people can see this is kind of what are, what the issues are. And um, uh, Dane Perry from CBS Sports says uh, players would like to address their shrinking share of league revenues, um, part you know in part by the declining uh, average player salary, the occasional practice of service time manipulation, like. You'll see it a lot when players are ready to come up to the big leagues, but they hold them back a month. So then they're like one year less eligible. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, there's and it's for free agency and arbitration eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's another they were trying to address the tanking problem, which is, you know, teams are just so bad that they tank so they can get better draft picks, which people are familiar with. Right. In a couple different In a different sports. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and it says here that teams have increasingly trended younger in their roster construction and the union will be fighting to get those younger players paid more in line with their on-field value while also seeking incentives to make teams more competitive with one another. And one thing that I want to make note there is that these younger players are not getting or they're rarely getting paid the big money when they're younger, mm-hmm. more productive, and yeah. better on the field. And usually in some cases – team owners won't value players as high because of their age and they might be on the plateau towards declination and it could limit how much they make on their next deal. But then again, you have like the Padres, right? With Tatis, they sign him as a 21 year old, Mm -hmm. nice and young for 12 years or something and an absurd amount of money. And same thing with Tampa this last 
couple of weeks ago, they signed Wander Franco for an absurd amount of money, 300 something million dollars for 10 years or something like that. So they locked those mm-hmm. kind of guys up really early. They restructure the contracts. Right. So that they don't become free agents for at least a decade. And obviously there's player options and other team options embedded in those contracts, but I'm not a, I'm not a sports lawyer. I don't know how all that legalese can mm-hmm. translate. That's just kind of what I've gathered from the surface, from the, you know, mm-hmm. 10,000 10, foot view. So um, what players want to do is they want to enter free agency um, at 29 and a half years or after achieving five years of service time mm. or after six years of service, whichever is first. So, um, and they would also like to start the arbitration process um, to start after two seasons, but right now it's at three. So they're just trying to bring it down a little bit, bring the ages down, bring the arbitration mm-hmm. years down so that players can get better deals early on in their career when they're more valuable. So, um, which makes sense, right? It makes and, sense. And that's what happens, you know, NFL and like, you don't see these huge deals in the NFL because NFL is so brutal, right? It's only what, eight, 17, 18 games now, you know, 22, if you get to the playoffs and whatnot, and these, these players are what 22. So they have their rookie season and they can, I think they have what, two years of like rookie years, right. Or something like not rookie. And then your sophomore year, and then you can get your deal. Right. So like DK is going to go into his big deal next year. Right. That's Should, another topic, but we'll right? see. Anyways. Yes. It is a different topic. Yeah. But, so he'll be what 24 and he's already going to get a big deal. Right. So some of these baseball he players so are, young. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about. Right. right? But they're but they're not signing for as long because you know like DK will probably be like a five or six year deal because by that time he'll be twenty nine thirty which is you know kind of older for the NFL unless you're Adrian Peterson at thirty six and signing with the Seahawks for some reason yeah but, uh, um, there's that <laughs> but um, but then you have the weird cases like Max Scherzer who's what like thirty seven or thirty eight and he just signed a pretty big deal you know with the Mets so mm-hmm. um, I think the Mets overpaid but they were obviously bitter about losing uh, Steven Matz. So yeah, he was just so so in talking about this, do you foresee it? Because it feels like with the, with the MLB's response to this, like I read the the letter, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a quick, well, no, they're never going to so I'm, so I'm a teacher. So I, I, I deal with like union contract stuff and right. all of that. Right. And so you've got your collective bargaining agreement. They don't usually start negotiating until the year before it expires because you're dealing with everything else, except maybe like memorandums of utter agreement or stuff like that in the meantime. Right. But yeah, so it's, they're never gonna, they're never going to come out in the beginning and be like, Oh no, like, I'm sorry. It's a lockout. Let me just, Oh no, let's just go agree to everything now and get you back. Like they're going to push it. They're going to see I mean, that's, I don't know sports, but I know like from just my experience of like contracts with union stuff, like it's never going to be an agreement, like right away, they're going to push and see what you, what you're going to do and what you, you know, like it's a little bit like that playing chicken a little, I think. Right. Right. So we're at that point where we're at the, you know, in the middle of the road facing each other with our car, right. We're trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how we're going to pass each other and and continue on. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. And um, there's talk about a playoff restructuring, a universal DH. Um, let's see, a draft lottery similar to the NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. Increase in the uh, player salary, minimum player salary. 
So some guys are out there making, I don't know, 300 K or something. I don't know what the league minimum is, but yeah, when you have superstars out there making, you know, 40, 50 million a year, and you have these young guys that haven't fully signed a big contract yet, only making, you know, 300, only 300, right. As I say that candidly, but, um, but in a niche field like sports, it's, it's, you know, 300 is not a very large amount of money when you are a professional athlete. I would say, I would say a professional athlete has dumped more than $300,000 in their life trying to get good at what they do just with college, just with, you know, summer camps, winter camps, instructions and all that. So I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. All of it, all of it, their parents, you know, yeah, it adds up. I, I played softball growing up and I never played on the club teams, like the travel teams, but I had plenty of teammates who did. And I can only imagine like teammates that went to Taiwan, like for their, you know, like out of the country for these tournaments that they're playing in on their club teams. And it was just like, what cool experiences, number one, for sure. But also, yeah, it's, it's a huge investment to do that sort of thing. So, um, with that being said, thank you for explaining a little bit about the lockout, the the situation that's happening there. I do want to get to the Mariners and what's going on with their offseason moves. So the first one thing I'll, one thing I'll do will add is like during this lockout. So managers or I'm sorry, uh, owners and any MLB player cannot like negotiate any more contracts or any more new deals. So for the Mariners, um, to bring this to the Mariners into our next little segment here, it's going to hurt the Mariners from signing any new free agents right now. And we'll talk about the free agents that we would like to see signed, but yeah. um, we were able to get a couple of deals done before the CBA expired. And now, you know, DePoto can't go out and reach out to any other players or talk mm-hmm. to any other players because that would be in a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. So that's, kind of where we're at now and players yeah. can't even go to the field or use facilities or anything. Like it's all everyone's, everyone's segregated on their own. On their yeah. own. Yeah. So, How do you think that that's going to impact players in terms of training their practices or, I mean, I assume that they would have their own places to go and to, to keep. I mean, I look at it this way. So it's, it's December 1st, right? So teams and, and players are other than traveling to their new teams that they just got signed by they're, at home, they're working out Resting, home anyways yeah. right now, right? Right. So they, they don't start, I mean, they're they're working out and doing everything they need to do, but they don't go to spring training. Pitchers report in February, the rest of the team reports end of February, early March. Mm-hmm. So we have a few months, I would say by, hmm, if nothing is done by like Martin Luther King Day, we're in a world of hurt for baseball. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a big, we're in a, we're in a lot of mm-hmm. trouble. I would expect something to get done probably around after, after the new year, I would think mm-hmm. the talks will start ramping up, mm-hmm. and, you know, seven to 10 days after that, I think we'll have a deal. So I think we'll be done by January 10th, hopefully. Um, Ooh, that's optimistic. Done. I like this. Right. It's the holidays and people are, I think MLB and people are just like, we'll just wait until after the holidays. And then after yeah. that's all over, I think they'll get into, you know, back to business and trying to figure this out. So we won't see anything on signings for, I don't know, 45 days, probably, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess. So basically sit back, enjoy the holiday season and relax because your spike eggnog and all that other stuff. We have some eggnog in our Ooh. fridge. <laughs> I we have like, some rum. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> I, like I low key put eggnog in my coffee whenever eggnog's available. It's like yeah. my favorite thing. It's Ooh. better than creamer. 
Mm-hmm. So, now, guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? That. Put some eggnog in eggnog chai? my coffee. Get behind that too. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, off topic. We will easily go off topic so on our show. Yeah. So, okay. The first like quote, bigger signing that we had was Adam Frazier. Correct. Second base and utility player. Yeah, he's a utility player. So he's going to, I think they signed him as a, like a, not a contingency because I know they wanted him. It was reported that Jerry was really going hard after him at the trade deadline and just wasn't mm-hmm. able to land him. So now that he's on our team, um, it, he'll probably, I think we have a hole at second base that needs to be filled. And I think he's going to play there. Um, I mean, Abraham Toro was decent. He made a couple, he made a few errors last year that was kind of concerning. Abraham Toro is a natural third baseman, but it was just reported yesterday by Corey Brock that um, they are going to start putting Toro in the outfield during spring training so we can get outfield reps, you know? Mm. Yep. So, um, and to people that say that our outfield is stacked, we have so many outfielders, we have Julio coming up and everything like that. Well, we need outfielders that can hit. Right. Just because mm-hmm. they can feel, just because they can feel doesn't mean they can hit. So um Adam Frazier is um a career 281 hitter, um, has 622 hits to his name. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many home runs I can scroll down and find out though. Over he has 40 home runs in his six years. So he doesn't hit the ball hard, but he hits it often. Yep. Which is nice. So he, he's hey, you just guy, need to be getting people around the bases at the right. end of the day. You just need to move. So the Mariners struggled in a big way with runners in scoring position last year, especially with one or two outs. So having someone that can get up there when there's runners in scoring position. And if we're, you know, behind an account or have two outs can, can get runners around because that that'll help, um, you know, the pitching staff and support, you know, getting, getting more wins. It's just a calculation mm-hmm. to get more wins. So I think he's, he's a great ad. I'm really excited for Adam to be um, a part of, the Mariners organization. I just yeah. would like to see, I got to see him down here in San Diego since I lived mm-hmm. here. I get baseball. So I go down here and I watch um, his name. Doesn't really like jump out at me. Cause they are pretty stars. They are. Yeah. So, um, but I did get to see him play. He was in the lineup whenever, whenever I was down there at those games. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of cool to see. Um, then. And then. And then we got Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray. So I did a little research on Robbie Ray. And one thing that I found out is that he made it whenever he pitched six or seven innings, he was nine and oh last year. He didn't lose a game once he got that deep. And that's when he was the most effective. And he's, he won the Cy Young last year. He's just, um, he credited Mitch Hanniger. Mm-hmm. Extend Mitch Hanniger, please. Uh, he he credited him. They better. I know. They better extend Mitch Hanniger. Um, he's credited to kind of recruiting Ray because they played together on the Diamondbacks. So mm-hmm. he gave Hanniger a shout out. Talk Hanniger talked to him about um, the crowd, how um, it, how electric it is to be at T-Mobile. So mm-hmm. that kind of played into his decision to actually want to sign with Seattle and. Um, and yeah, so I think that's kind of got to give credit to him for that. Um, I don't know if either of you know the answer to this, but um, I'm learning sports. So, um, but Robbie Ray 
Wasn't that the name that Billy's, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus's character on Hannah Montana used when he was pretending to be Hannah Montana's like manager and not her dad? I, don't, I feel like Robbie Ray was like I, the name that he used. I could be totally off. Look, I, I know it's obviously you, different than this baseball player, but like you, it's could, a silly name. Yeah, you it's, could, a it's name. just like it's one of the, it feels like. Okay, you could tell me that that was the name he used, and I'd be like, oh, cool. So, so to answer your question, not because I'm a Hannah Montana fan or anything, but his mm. name was Robbie Ray uh, Stewart. Yeah. In the show. There you go. Okay. Yeah, so. I was like, because I heard about this, I heard about this deal and I kept thinking like, this name sounds familiar, but I know it's not from baseball. And then we're just talking about it. And I looked at Michaela, like as soon as you started talking and it was like, it flashed in my head. And like, I have no idea what she's even thinking. But I was pretty sure that was where it came. Okay. So sorry for being off track. Thank you no, for helping fine. me solve we this got problem. Robbie, Robbie Ray. <laughs> and not but the not- Billy Ray Cyrus version. Like, no. Right. <laughs> so okay. I'm good now. So he's from Tennessee. He's 30 this year. He'll be 31 during the season. Tennessee uh, makes sense. <laughs> yep, Robbie Ray. Um, yeah, so he was drafted by the Nationals in the amateur draft out of Tennessee, and now he he had obviously a successful campaign in Toronto last year, winning the Cy Young. Um, awesome. And I forget how many he struck out last year, but it was wild. Uh, last year he struck out um, two hundred and forty eight batters, which wow. is impressive. Wow. Um, and he also was able to pitch 193 innings, which is insane. That's, insane. that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of innings. So yeah. how much? Okay, we signed him for five years, right? It was 113. Right. It was like something million? like 23 million a year. If you, oh no, it was like one. I don't know. I, so I really we signed him for five years. You say he's 31. He just had. He just, well, he just turned 30 uh, two months ago. So. Okay. $115 million. $115 million that he's going to earn over my, those five years. My mom broke it down to if he played every game, it would be $141,975.31. <laughs> if it was every game. Every game. But he doesn't, he doesn't pitch every game. He's, he's going to exactly. start. Uh, I think he started 32 games last year. So that's, that's a good. Uh, good yeah, there you go. But um, he did. Uh, he did struggle in only like four games he didn't make it past four innings so that's nothing to be concerned about that's what an eighth of his entire right. start so yeah he's gonna have off days like every pitcher does but i hope he doesn't have like kikuchi off days where he just like when you when you see him on the mound you're like oh no here we go yep so well i'm really excited i'm mm-hmm. just excited for the momentum of the fan base as a at the end of the you know 2021 mm-hmm. season and the success Mm-hmm. that you know the mariners were finding in that playoff push of course we know how that ended it was right. heartbreaking yeah. but also really inspiring like yeah, i yeah. i don't want to like a 90 win season for the this mariners so great i mean the f- i'm for me i'm like the fact that there's way more games than that is like right. crazy to me i'm like i just don't that's hard i mean that's crazy that's crazy so much is the world series champions in the regular season, won 88 games or something like yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just, uh, baseball is just one of those sports that, uh, you show up to the park and anything can happen. It's just, mm-hmm. there's no guaranteed winners, no guaranteed losers until you're in that bottom of the ninth inning. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing. It's like, you can have great baseball teams with great players on it, but any game, like you could, right. it's anybody's game basically. Mm-hmm. 
And players have, like you said, good days and players have bad days where they can't see the ball or they have errors on the field. There's all sorts of things that happen that make your team successful in any given day. So that's the exciting thing I think about baseball is that you're not like, you might say, okay, well, this team has been on a hot streak, right? So you, you kind of assume, okay, well, they're going to play a team that's been not doing so hot. They'll probably sweep them. Um, but it's not, that's not a given. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I like about hockey. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just thinking like, it sounds like what's been going on with the crack in the last few years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's been fun to watch too, but that's yeah. not part of this, but the, uh, like, and like you were saying, like you like look at the Padres, right. They were projected to be like a powerhouse team with who they had last year. And they didn't even the Mariners when I was, I went and watched the Mariners get killed in May mm-hmm. last year. Against mm. the Padres, the Padres scored like forty something runs. The Mariners like ten or eleven runs. It was crazy. Yeah. And right. the Mariners ended up having a better record at the end of the season. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just how baseball works sometimes, right? When you're clicking, you're clicking, and when you're not, if you hit a cold streak, you know Johnny Bench said, um, "Slums are like a cozy bed, easy to get into and hard to get out of." And that's yeah. just, that's how baseball is, for sure. So. so, what do you foresee? You know, kind of like tying this beautiful package of what we've talked about like with a little bow, but like, what do you foresee or what do you desire next for the Mariners to do after this lockout ends? What free agents continue to be available? Uh, lots of people are talking about Chris Bryant and Trevor story, but I know that I want to hear your opinions and your takes and where you see even this next year, what you hope to see from the Mariners uh, after last season. Right. I, it hurts me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I really like Carlos Correa. Um, I'm not a fan of what happened in Houston. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like they didn't get their punishment. There's nothing, there's nothing me, Nate Alexander in San Diego can do about MLB's punishment on players. Right? Yep. So um, he's, he's the best there is. He's a platinum glover. Um I threw up a poll on my uh, um, Twitter yesterday, um, about 150 votes. And I asked, you know, in the armchair GM Twitterverse, which two would you take? Correa Story, Correa Bryant, or Story Bryant? And 45% mm-hmm. of the voters said Story Bryant. And I don't know if that's because Correa's name or because he's tarnished with that. And that just kind of caught me off guard. But then the um, second place was Correa Bryant. And that's kind of... Um, I, that's kind of where I was leaning, but then I was kind of looking at it. Chris Bryant isn't the all-star caliber um, MVP type player he used to be. And um, that's okay. I mean, people get, you know, people age and they, they, they decline. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I was more leaning towards Correa story. I think Trevor's story would be a great at bat. He's an excellent hitter and Correa is just a wall on the infield and he can hit. But the problem with Correa is that he's going to be extremely expensive. He's going to be, he's going to, he's going to likely seek uh, an eight to 10 year deal if I had to guess. And it's not going to be cheap, probably north mm-hmm. of three, north of 300 million, and, yeah. which is fine. They, they can always throw options in their player options, team options, you know, after six, seven years, see, see what happens. And then, um, or decline or accept those options to, based on performance. But I do like those two and those and with Correa and Chris Bryant, they have both 
kind of stated that they weren't going to sign unless a CBA was in place. Like they kind of mm-hmm. were waiting. Yeah. Teams were going after them pretty hard and they were just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to kind of hold out here and see what happens. And that's, and there we are. So we'll see. I think once this is all squared away, hopefully in the next 45 days um, on the optimistic side, pessimistic mm-hmm. end of January is like really pushing it. Yeah. But I would, I think the Mariners are going to go, I I think they're going to go hard. And I was going to say, I think that's kind of why Jerry wasn't as aggressive. I think he jumped on the opportunities that were there mm-hmm. um, with like Robbie Ray and Adam Frazier. Because Adam Frazier wasn't a free agent um, aqu- uh, acquisition. He was a trade. So oh, that's right. Because they traded two prospects for him. Yeah, yeah that's right. So um, right now, from what I believe, Ray is the only free agent that the Mariners have signed. Was that a, like, cause I don't know. I'm not as familiar with the free agents out there in terms of what would be like shocking news. Like it seemed like lots of people were really like excited about the Robbie Ray signing. Was that somebody that was on the radar that people knew the Mariners were going to potentially go after? Or was that like a, what? Like we just, we just so got Robbie Ray on. I put something out on Twitter as well. That said, as I scroll down and was going was going pretty crazy the last couple of days. So it's going to be a couple finger swipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I will say while well, your fingers, like while well, you're trying to find it, um, I was incorrect about that um, breakdown figure. That was for 162 games, the cost broken down. So not yeah. every single game. So just sorry, mom, that I was wrong for a second. I just want to make sure, you know, I correct that for you. Your mom will have something to say to she you. She would tell me about it. And I rightfully so. <laughs> so that's right. So Gossman signed a deal in Toronto. And that's when I went on Twitter and said, with Gossman finalizing a deal in Toronto, I wonder what the future of Robbie Ray is looking like. And the very next day, the tweet comes out that, um, Robbie Ray and the Seattle Mariners are finalizing a five-year 115 contract with an opt-out after the third season. So, so people like, might've been assuming that the Blue Jays were going to get him to stay, that they I, were going to pay him. Until they signed Gossman, I think that's what was going to happen. And then they signed mm-hmm. Kevin Gossman. I think that's his name, Kevin. Yeah. They signed him. And that's when I was like, well, maybe... Ray has been shown interest elsewhere. And I think, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, and it's in his right because he was the Cy Young winner. He's going to sign for a, a, a good, good amount, amount of money. money. Right. He's not, yeah. you know, and I think the Mariners were looking at, at uh, Marcus Stroman. He signed with the Cubs. He was another one. Um, I'll be honest. I've been a really bad um, researcher and didn't look at pitching like I should have. I've been looking at infielders because that seems to be our, mm. Pitching is a big hole. Don't get me wrong there, but infielders that can hit, we, we need effective bats and we don't have that. And that's kind of where I've been focusing my attention. But um, I know there are pitchers out there still um, that are uh, free agents. The Mariners will likely go after um, James Paxton. I don't blame the Mariners not signing him. He just got, yeah. he got, I mean, I'm going to cheer for Paxton no matter what uniform. Of course. He's a good dude. But Boston offered him a pretty good deal at 10 million for a year. Mm. And I don't think the Mariners were ready to roll that dice on someone that. Well, they liked. Yeah. yeah. And then he, you know, he just, had, he had, he was out the season with. He threw 24 injury. pitches. Yeah. 24 pitches. And then went up, went to Tommy John surgery. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. it's, it was just mm-hmm. one of those things. There's some fortunate, I love, I love that guy, but I just don't. Kate and I were talking about on our last podcast last week, just about the importance of consistency. You can have somebody with all the potential in the world and talent, but if they're unable to provide the consistency to be on the field when you need them on the field, because of whatever happens, the unfortunate things that happen to injuries, sometimes you get bit by the injury bug and you just, you just can't see the field. Like you have to eventually decide that you need to cut ties and move on. And because you need people that are have talent and are consistently available. So that it's oh, unfortunate. Are, are we talking but, about Mariners or Seahawks right now? I can't remember. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. But that's the thing, right? It's, yeah. it goes across all sports. That's yeah. what you need. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I do, I, you know, I do really appreciate you taking time to talk with our listeners about the Mariners yeah. and what's going on and the lockout and the players that we've acquired did you have any like last thoughts or words that you wanted to share with our listeners about, you know, what to be excited about or what to be maybe looking forward to? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to ending this lockout and getting into the 2020 yes. season. Mm-hmm. Um, I was planning on going to spring training. I really like to get an early look at a lot of these guys, you know, they're going to get sent off across the nation to mm-hmm. single, double, triple A, you know, all that. And mm-hmm. just see who the future is. Right. Right. I like to, I like to see those um, invites to spring training and see those, see those kids play. Cause just, it's just really exciting. And Arizona was only, I don't know, or Phoenix Peoria is maybe five and a half hours away. So it's nice and easy. A quick drive. Yeah. Quick drive over good weekend trip. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I was looking forward to that. I think getting to the ballpark and, you know, I mean, I understand weekdays, but on the weekends, just get out there and just support these guys. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're ready. We're ready. We're hungry. Um, it's, it's better. If this is the best year than any to go after a championship. Um, well, I'll be, you know, cautiously optimistic. Do I think it happens next year? I don't, I think they have one more year of development. Um, yeah. the, the rookie bats last year were kind of, they're coming around, but like Cal Rowley, Jake Fraley, guys like that, they just weren't consistent. And you, when you're batting below 200, it's going to be tough to win ball games. It is. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, but um, Jared Kalanick was coming around. Um, Ty France was, I, I thought he had a gold glove year at first mm-hmm. base. Um, had he started there at the beginning of the season, he would have been hands down the winner in my opinion. Um, he was solid over there. And I, I think just guys like that coming up, Toro hit a little slump there, but he can turn it around. This team is talented. And I mean, I can't discount JP and, and Mitch out there. You know? And they're so fun to watch. I'm just going to like, like this last see, like it was just fun to watch at that mm-hmm. end there. And not only seeing the fans come out and, and Seattle has such a great fan base for their sports teams here. Granted, if you're not doing well, maybe it's not the best fan base right. all the time. But overall, I think that in terms of the amount of energy that they can bring Mm -hmm. to a stadium is incredible. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I encourage everybody to do is to get out there, support our teams. The more energy that you bring to to support them, they feel it like Mm -hmm. as a a former athlete. Right. Like, you know what it was like. And we talked about this last week, too, to have people there. It wasn't it wasn't a feeling of pressure. It was a feeling of like. I got this. Like, I'm excited. Like you have like right. this, I get goosebumps talking about it. Right. Um, it's just a different feel. Right. So they need us just as much as we're sitting here saying we need them to be successful. 
they need us to be there to cheer them on and to support Mm -hmm. them through the good and the bad. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Same goes for the Seahawks. They're terrible right now, but go out and support them. They need it. They want to hear it. They want, they want us to be loud. And when you're Mm -hmm. upset with the Seahawks at the end of the season, carry that energy over to to Safeco, uh, T-Mobile and uh, let it out there. Trying to Put it out there. Keep it, keep it pumped up out there for uh, for the Mariners. Just carry it over. I know Seattle mm-hmm. can get loud. They've proved it at yep. CenturyLink and wherever it is now, Lumen. But mm-hmm. um, they've, they've proven to be loud and obnoxious. And take that over to a baseball game. Not as high pay, not as high energy. I get it, but you can take it over to a baseball game, to a rugby game, to there a cracking go. game. Let's just take it everywhere to a storm, storm. game. We're gonna be there. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Nate, we appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining joining us oh, tonight. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for having me. It was a, any anytime you guys want me on here, I'll come on and talk baseball. Oh yeah, well, for real. <laughs> we love it. Love You're it. gonna be our guy. Awesome. I appreciate right. it. Thank you for being here tonight. No problem. Thanks. Okay, I'm super excited for our next segment. It's our favorite segment. It is the mailbag segment, and this week. Oh my gosh, y'all. We have some awesome we have questions, so many questions to answer and some I'm really great so ones. I'm so excited. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to start off reading. So, um, cause I feel like I can't really answer this one as well as Michaela. So I'm going to give her the question, her the, give her the question so she can answer it. And so this question is from Eric and Eric says in their heyday, the Legion of boom was one of the best defensive backfields in history. Sherman, Thomas and chancellor are all hall of famers. So who makes it? I think Sherman is first ballot and Thomas will eventually make it. I think Chancellor will get the Kenny Easley treatment and make it far later than he should have. So, okay, Michaela, what do you think? I agree that I think that Sherman is a first ballot. I think he, out of those three, will be the first to go to to get that nod, to get the Hall of Fame nod. Sure. But personally, like on a personal level, as a fan... I want it to be Chancellor. Mm-hmm. I want Chancellor to be acknowledged for his presence on the field, for his leadership, for his, he's like an enforcer. Yeah. And he made such a big impact for that team. Like all literally, of them did. Like literally but, a big impact. Oh my God. I He was so fun to watch hit mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, if Chancellor was in the league as it stands right now with all of these flags, he'd be flagged left and right for oh, his head. Oh, for sure. But it was so great watching Cam mm-hmm. Chancellor, Bam Bam Cam. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> that personally, like if I got to choose, Chancellor would be my number one. But I have to acknowledge the greatness of all three, of Sherman, of Thomas. And I do think that Sherman gets that first nod. Do you think they're all going to, uh, do you think they're all going to make it? Do you think all three of them will get in? They all three should okay. get in. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, our next question is from my new BFF, yep. Rucky the Seawolf. And Rucky says, if you could hang out with any mascot, who would you want to hang with? Doesn't have to be me. I know I'm awesome. And what cool things would you want to do? Okay, first, let me acknowledge the fact that I love Rucky's confidence that like, even though we might not choose him, he still knows that he's awesome because having that confidence in yourself it's important. is important. And you know, confidence is a thing that attracts people but to here's you like a thing. magnet sometimes. Rocky knows yeah. that since we're BFFs, yeah, we, we, we want to hang out with you. I think it'd be fun. 
It would be so much fun. Good old match. I mean, like, I bet when we go to that rugby match and we see Rucky, I'm gonna like run over there. Aww. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Rucky has security, but like, I, I could get through. Rucky, Rucky if you have security, can you please put us on that list to get, get us the, 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 the so VIP that we don't get treatment? Yeah. Well, um, yes, I think that would be. I think that would be the best choice. But you know, side note, fun fact: I have met Blitz. The, yes, because Blitz came to Blitz came to my school school one time and that was pretty cool and um Blitz was was nice. So I mean I think mascots Blitz seems all like around. a lot of fun. Uh yeah. mine uh, another shout out is Butch T Cougar. Oh heck yeah. Man, I I've I've I went to WSU so I That's have true. a special place in my heart for mm -hmm. Butch. Just such a good cat. It's a fun time. Good kitty. It's a good <laughs> Good kitty. Good oh, it's a good kitty. Yeah, I think I think But Rocky, you are 100% yes. our number 1. Yes. And you need to know that. And Absolutely. you need to Yeah. You're I like one. that we got a question too about mascots from a mascot because I feel like the mascots don't always get enough like love and attention. Like no matter what, right? Like they're out there on that field trying to pump people up keep the players excited and everything i mean when you go to like a mariners game and the mariners moose is like Ugh. that moose is everywhere you know what i mean growing like, up my answer would have been the mariners moose mm -hmm. i think there's a picture somewhere that exists of me with the moose and mom if you know where that picture is mm -hmm. send it my way so i can share it out i have yeah. no idea where that picture would be I but just, growing yeah. up it definitely was a mariners moose yeah so thanks, Rucky, for your question, and we hope to hang out with you sometime soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next question is from Rick Jed 21 and Rick's question was, what is the first decision you make as a GM of your team of choice? First of all, the team of choice is the Seattle Seahawks because they need a lot of, a lot of help. Mm. Explicit <laughs> content. They need a lot of help. We almost made it. Almost made it. Uh, so... My first decision I would make mm -hmm. currently for the Seahawks is, well, obviously, Coaches. well, the GM doesn't really have that say. That. No, that's like ownership. And then the head coach gets to determine who their coaching staff is. So GM is going to be more about the player personnel, who they bring in, although coaches also have a say in that. John no, No, it's Help me out. John Schneider. Schneider. Dang it. I was close though. So if I, right my first sound. move would be to currently number one, evaluate the situation and to figure out how they need to move forward mm -hmm. to rebuild the offensive line, mm -hmm. offensive line. Number one priority. I would invest so much money in that line because do you, I, I just want to see Russell Wilson for once not have to run for his life. And number two mm. to have time to throw to these receivers that we have on our team that are incredible. Sure. And he used to have more time years ago, right? No, maybe he's, not. She's looking at he's me like, been I behind don't know some anything. bad lines for a long, long time. And, and listening to, you know, Mina Kimes talk about how this, like it's been a disservice that this mm -hmm. is a compilation of bad decisions over time to not build yeah. this offensive yeah. line and if you were to look at our first round draft picks over time and how we're spending our first round draft picks and mm -hmm. trades and things like that, the acquisitions that we've made from those things, it's not paying off. It's, yeah. So I would, as a GM, mm -hmm. invest, invest, invest 
in the offensive line to be top tier? And I obviously should not answer this question because I don't even know what a GM does for a team. So I would say if I was the GM of a team, I would hire Michaela to do all of the (laughs) decision-making for things like that. And I can, you know, pick out the throw pillows or something in the office. I don't know. Um, I do love a throw pillow. Would you like to read Brit? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, Brit underscore Mattis, uh, the lovely sister of Michaela says, what do you think of the NFL expansion rumors floating around? Possibly 40 teams, 18 games, another playoff round, etc. Where would you like to see any future teams located? London has an NFL-ready stadium. Thoughts on expanding to another country? Okay, first of all, I hadn't even heard this rumor floating around. There's I don't know so where many things you can't. Brittany, keep up. where did you hear where did where did you hear this rumor? She's on the Twitter now too. She is. So I'm just based off of what you shared, right? You said possibly 40 teams, 18 games, another playoff round. It's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much with when I think about how some of these teams in the NFL already struggle to put together a roster that is NFL caliber healthy yeah. and healthy, I I think it's just too many teams, uh, 18 games. That's again, you would have to expand your roster size for injury, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. purposes because their their bodies, I, I'm curious to see how the 17 you know game season goes, an expanded you know sure. playoff spot for for teams, which could be cool if you're floating on that edge of like potentially getting mm-hmm. into the playoffs. Which I think that's what the Seahawks were ultimately hoping for. Sure, and that's why they're still sitting here saying we're three and eight, but we can still make it to the playoffs. Yeah. Now, okay, like I'm just gonna entertain this question. Where would you like to see any future teams land or be located? I would love for Portland to get. Yeah, it'd a be team. nice to have another like Northwest. I would love another Northwest team. team. I mean, if New York can have like three, can we have like California has a bunch, Texas has a bunch, Florida. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I would love Portland. Portland great. Another Pacific Northwest NFL team. I think that could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, uh, where would you like to see? No, I, I was actually thinking of Oregon as well. Um, I think that would be a pretty, pretty great place. I mean, one, there's time mean, there's just tons of fans up here mm-hmm. anyway. And it's kind of just the one football team. And, and granted, like, it's fun having the Seahawks have all the fans, but it's kind of fun to, to have um, other sports around. Like Portland's not too far away. You could make an easy trek there to see things. In terms of going to another country, I feel like London, while it's fun that they do the um, the games over there, mm-hmm. I think long term the distance on that is it's just going like, to be way too difficult. long. I mean, Canada could be kind of cool. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I I know there's a lot of you know Canadian football fans of of the I bet NFL. They would love that. Yeah, and does Canada have their own football? They do. They have a Canadian football league. They have mm-hmm. a CFL. Oh, look at me. Um, that could be cool. I think, though, Britt, an answer in like another answer version of this is that, like, not NFL, but I would love to see more of like, there was like, you know, some women's football stuff going on for a little oh, while. Oh, there was, yeah. And I feel like that could be kind of cool. My former math teacher in high school mm-hmm. played for a women's football team mm-hmm. in Seattle. That's awesome. I don't think she does it anymore, but there's she was so several, cool. There's been like several goes at trying to get something going. Um, I feel like 
that could be for pretty fun. So yeah. I don't know, not exactly related. It's a fun, um, it's a fun thing to entertain, but no, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, 40, no. 40 teams seems it's like a lot many. of teams. So, all right. So Zach underscore F 90 asked which current <laughs> Seahawks player would be the best Kevin McAllister. And for those of you who don't know who Kevin McAllister is, he's a football player. Just kidding. What? I was like, I got it. I, know. I swear. So, okay. We, I saw this question uh, tweeted uh, and I, I tweeted back. Like, I'm so glad I understood this correctly. Cause I thought I was like missing something. I was glad. Like, I'm glad I understood the home alone reference. Kevin McAllister, yes. Macaulay Culkin played him in home alone. And um, I was like, if this is not, I mean, this is kind of like my is earlier thing Kevin with like McAllister my earlier thing with like football? the Robbie Ray, where I'm yeah. like, is this the same? So I'm glad that um, I'm yes. glad I was right about. So that, this is so. a really fun question. So Kevin McAllister from Home Alone setting up all these pranks in the homes, the trapping things, yeah. the bad guys. So Zach said, "My money would be on Diggs." It's a very I I, I can see, support that. I can get that. Yeah. I'm gonna go with some. I'm gonna go with Tyler Lockett, and here's the reason. You know what? That was actually Tyler kind of like Lockett to me seems mischievous. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. He comes off like mm -hmm. he's just he's you know goody mm -hmm. goody, mm -hmm. and yet I see this other side to him where I feel yeah. like he would be real mischievous come yeah. up with these pranks that people wouldn't expect him to come up with yes i feel like people expect it from Diggs. i feel like people might not expect it as much from locket but i see through you tyler that's right you're the kevin mccallister ha. on the seahawks team i feel like for me because actually it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I, I i was like what if tyler locket would do that but i kind of was thinking about too like with you know i gotta give my man dk like i kind of was like you know he seems like a guy who would love like Pranking. Uh, pranking and like setting stuff up and like because la like laughs and all the stuff and um i don't know if he could you know oh he's dk he loves get... to like he's sitting there and they're in practice doing whatever meetings that they're doing and he you always see his like his his instagram stories of him zooming in on tyler lockett's socks yeah like <laughs> just like the random just, things yeah um so i could see i could see dk trying to set it up too but i think like if it was like Tyler Lockett, DK, and like Freddie Swain, I can see the three of them together, like these wide receivers setting up like this huge. What like, a movie that would be! That I would, would be watch fun. that. That would be fun. That'd be great. I'm, you know, hey, uh, hit uh, us up if you need script details for that. But um, I'll I'll go for this last question. I'll read this last question okay. for us. So this last one is from our friend Steve Olson, mm -hmm. um, and he says, "Which Seattle athlete or coach deserves a lump of coal for the holidays?" Oh, what a tough question. Look, okay. So I took this as uh, Steve, you're putting us in the position and I'm going to, I just need everybody to know that Kate is wearing a Santa Claus C L A W S. My last name's Crabtree. And it has a crab with a Santa hat on it. And so it's she's true. wearing a sweater right now. that says Santa Claus, which is very appropriate for this moment. So Kate, um, I would like you to go first and actually answer this question since you're wearing the sweater. Oh, dang. Um, well, as Ooh, I feel weird. Naughty and like, nice. I don't, I don't know. I I'm feel... gonna, here. Let me do this then. Okay. Help me out. DK Metcalf. You've been naughty and we all know it. Yeah, and I don't does even he deserve coal. I don't think he gets coal. It's more on the funny side of things. Oh, you've okay. been naughty. You get coal. Well, I think some of his, now, if we're talking, Escapades, if we're that's what I'm saying. Content. Oh, we're doing that. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, just for this one. Now, just if we're talking part, about right. people who have not been like good at doing what they need to be doing, 
you Man, be giving quotes I'm giving, to several people in the I'm front giving, office? Exactly. (laughs) I don't know, Pete. I'm sorry, man. I'm putting coal in your stocking. I'm just not impressed anymore. And I'm sorry. I get that you can build a really good culture in your locker room. I have mad respect for the culture that you've built in Seattle and for the Super Bowl that we have won. Yeah. And consistent winning seasons. Sure. But this season with the responses that I have consistently heard, not feeling like things are changing. Yeah. Pete Carroll, you get a lump of coal for a very different reason than DK gets one from me. So, like, okay, what about this? Because I feel bad giving coal because it just seems like so harsh. So, what if I just give like a knockoff brand something or like it's a dollar store or something instead? So, it's like you still get something. It's just not necessarily that great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Michaela's looking at me like that isn't gonna work. Like, just suck it up and say who you think it would be. Who gets coal? Who? That's gets, not the question. Who gets, who gets coal? coal? Oh, it hurts my little heart. But yeah, I feel like I, I. Okay, don't at me and hate me and everything for this. But I'm gonna give it to Russell Wilson, and here's why. Wait for it. I have a good reason. Oh, I have a good <sighs> reason. I'm giving him a lump of coal. Only because, and it's a very small, tiny, it's like a crumb of coal. Okay, that's about as much as I can do. And here's why. Because I feel like him coming back sooner than he should have has made a pretty big impact in maybe a negative way. Yes, he maybe had the reps in or Mm -hmm. whatever that he had done in terms of his training and physical therapy and everything else. But he isn't or wasn't ready to fully be back as his full healthy self. And again, it is a team game earlier in the season. I probably could have said the same thing for DK for doing a lot of his like showmanship, sort of like all about me stuff, ego things, but he's brought it down a little bit. And I think Russell is, is a great quarterback and I don't feel great about saying this, but I think that, you know, when you put your, Hey, I I'm going to get back there two weeks earlier than everybody expected whatever else and be miraculous and stuff. It's, it's not, it doesn't always work out well. And so, um, so are you saying like humble yourself and put the, like he, but here's the thing. So I understand. He doesn't, I'm not adding, he doesn't come from an egocentric kind of place. I don't think, I think he does typically come from more of like the humble zone. But it's just that idea. But of he like, also thinks that he offers the Seahawks the best chance to win in the quarterback role, which is why he pushed himself to come back. Yes. And I think a lot of people also feel the same way. Sure. But it was interesting to see how many people were so quick to be like, put yeah. Gino in. Yeah. And so I obviously still have all the faith in the world in Russell, but I, I agree gonna, that I think he came back too soon. I think, yeah. And I think that, you know, he's, I think that he'll get there. I think that he'll get back. I think he'll get back to it, you know, but I think, yeah, it was just, it was just too soon. And then now look at all this fallout and chaos and all this stuff amongst everything much less the the losses, but just like the craziness happening. So I don't know, tiny crumb of coal, the, the smallest speck of coal. Steve, I hope that satisfied your need to know who's been naughty. Yeah, Next week, really maybe we'll say now. who's been nice. We need to like write an apology letter to Russell. Oh, I hope he's not listening. No. We love you, Russ. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, how about this? How about this just leads us to our closing podcast okay, remarks. No more hard questions. And thank you all for listening to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. This is episode 11. Kate, where can they find us? Yeah, absolutely. We are on Twitter and Instagram and uh, 
TikTok, TikTok and Facebook. I was like trying to think of a thing. Yeah, and we're at PNW Showdown on those channels or networks or social media streams. And so you can find us there. Twitter tends to be the most active, but you know, keep an eye out. There's a there's TikTok here, TikTok there, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Thank Great. you yeah. for listening and, and sharing, you know, and rating the podcast. We appreciate those ratings. That's really nice. Yeah, you guys have been saying lovely things. We appreciate it. All right. So you all know that one of my favorite things to remind you of each week is to take care of your heart and mind above all else. Until next time. Who's your favorite Marvel character? Okay, one that's a hard question that could take me a very long time to answer. So I'm going to try to get it really quick because I can already tell you're like, no. Um, my favorite Marvel character, I'm going to go with... Are you just about to say Thanos? No, I wasn't going to say Thanos. Oh my god, you went... No, I went... Thor? No, I was like... Like, ah, to answer. No, ah, no, I think, um, gosh, I just, it's a really hard question. I'm going to find, okay, 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 Loki. Okay, I did fall in love with Loki in the show Loki. I can, I, I fully support that. I don't know, I'm just going with it. Okay. I like it a lot. No. I did not like Loki until I watched the show Loki. Um, so my favorite Marvel character. Yeah. Steve. Oh, dang, that's right fighting words from steve is a glorified twig named groot according to steve and steve you deserved to be hit with a twig next time i see you or to quote to quote like what steve and chris say like i want to punch that guy in the face <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't actually want to punch steve in the face but you know i want to hit steve with a twig <laughs> i want to hit steve with a glorified twig yeah. What do they call those in the South? It's a switch, <laughs> a I believe. Switch. Go pick out your own switch. Yeah. Yeah, there's stories about that. But anyways, Groot, I love you. You know, Groot, what? you're adorable. We are all Groot, if you think about it. I am Groot. <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> I am Groot. Okay, you can be Groot. I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs>